everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. So the Beebs, the Beebs, the Beebs. First of all, uh, I was supposed to go to a Beebs concert in like two weeks. And then the whole thing happened. And this is the yeah, second time he's postponed it. But in other news, someday I'll see him. It, I might be <laughs> 55, but it'll happen. Your kids and, might be 55 at that point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but his other half launched a celebrity skincare brand, brand, brand. Yeah, brand. she sure did. <laughs> sure did. You know, we have a bone to pick with these celebrity brands. And I don't yeah. know, maybe it'll come yeah. back to haunt us, but we got another one. I don't on think the market. that it's going to. I feel like right, I feel like fine. Ms. Haley Bieber has got some haunting of her own to worry about. Um, which is what you're gonna get at. So I won't steal your thunder. Let everybody know what's happening. Right. So Road Skin, and that is her middle name, R-H-O-D-E Road. And, you know, she launched it and then out of the woodwork came a fashion brand that has the same name and is trademarked. Mm -hmm. And so I would Mm -hmm. like to say, Mm -hmm. hi, I mean, maybe they, I have trademarked some things in my day and there is a very long due diligence process that Mm -hmm. I feel like somebody should have flagged. And maybe they're thinking it's a clothing line. It's a skincare line. It's too close or it's not close enough from a category perspective. And I'm geeking out on the trademark stuff. Anyway, turns out she knew about it, tried to buy that brand in the name a couple years uh, ago. And now yeah, it's bad. they're upset it's bad. and I get it yeah. because like, understandably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a good look for Haley. Um, no. again, like we've established, we're not fans of the celebrity skincare brands, mm-hmm. uh, writ large. Um, there are obvious exceptions. Nobody I think was clamoring for this. Um, Indeed, no, Mm-mm. no, but I mean, here she went ahead with it. You would mm-hmm. think that as part of due diligence and trying to acquire purchase brand name mm-hmm. from other brands, that you would not maybe go ahead without knowing that you were going to get sued out the ass. So I thought Indeed. like road at the fashion line, which is well-established to be clear and minority owned mm-hmm. again, not a great look for Haley. Um, like they did it the right way. Uh, they yeah. brought it to everybody's attention that they did not want to go the route of a lawsuit um, that they knew that she didn't intend to harm, but like she was doing harm to their I brand know. and like fair play. So, I mean, I just, what were they thinking? I just, and I think too, you know, then like obviously lawyers get involved and are very costly, very good lawyers, mm-hmm. cost a very mm-hmm. pretty penny. And obviously the Biebers have more to leverage against this. I so know. I don't want to see it where this I brand know. folds. Like I that know. is not, we're not helping a girl out. We're not helping minority owned businesses, female run yep. businesses. No. Nope. Yep. Yeah. No, so definitely anyway. hoping that things go right by the fashion brand right. sorry Haley. also i'm not sorry. sorry like you you messed up she stepped in it like that like let's be i just pick another I, name what am I pretend? yeah pick yeah. another you go with Haley or bieber i don't know I mean, <laughs> she's probably i mean well we won't we won't speculate yeah, okay. um we mm-hmm. won't speculate on this podcast but yeah that was i don't know i it doesn't sit right so same. if you guys feel the same way um, or feel differently, mm-hmm. let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, Kelly and I obviously have strong feelings. You might not feel the same way. So hit us up, DM us. You know, 
Something that I've been waiting to share with you until today is, <laughs> you know, I love back when I went through my like COVID, I should be blonde phase. I was mm-hmm. just like all of the toner, mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. shimmer mm-hmm. lights, the tried and true, the OG <sighs> people have been using it for other things to whiten other things. Yeah. Whiten other things From indeed. Toilet bowls yeah. to uh. teeth, <laughs> to teeth, your teeth. Yeah. Um, I think if you're not familiar with shimmer lights, you've mm-hmm. probably been living under a rock. Um, mm-hmm. It's well tested. People certainly have strong feelings. Um, it is effective. You can't say that it's not. Um, mm-hmm. It had been, you know, part of that whole purple hair challenge thing um, a couple years back where people were loving the additive sort of ashy purple effect to blonde um, that can happen if you leave it on or put it on super dry hair. To your point, though, non-traditional uses blowing up all over TikTok Mm -hmm. in particular, it's disgusting. I cannot imagine putting shimmer lights on a toothbrush, period, (laughs) then putting said toothbrush in my mouth and then brushing my teeth. Like, sudsy. (laughs) It was sudsy. (laughs) Purple sud. Like, it was like a cartoon almost. And she's just like going at it, just brushing the... It's all sorts of like, we have lost our damn mind. Yeah. Okay. And then the toilet bowl, like (laughs) that one was funny. Um, It was. I did appreciate like the, it was for comic effect, not for, you know, but, but still, but still wasting good product, good effective product. Mm -hmm. There it went down the drain. Um, But it did do a little bit of scrubble bubble stuff on a way Mm -hmm. out like i yeah i mean i think that's pretty inventive like i like Mm -hmm. the one i saw was like boyfriend's coming over don't have time to clean the toilet i don't get that but anyway i'll clean the toilet with shimmer lights like like what are we going like got anything purple got anything purple like (laughs) and there it went it went yeah so anyway that's what's on our mind from lawsuits to shimmer light toothpaste we mm-hmm. got it all here at the tease. Mm-hmm. If you found <laughs> non-traditional uses of shimmer mm-hmm. lights on mm-hmm. TikTok that we've not discovered, please let us know. We Send need us, to see them. Share that yeah. with us on TikTok. Why don't you? Mm-hmm. Please we'll get do. Into it. So in last week's episode, I talked with Jen Lyles. Jen is a beauty school marketing and lead generation expert, now serving as the executive director of Beauty Schools Marketing Group. She worked as communications director for the American Association of Cosmetology Schools before pivoting to the school side as a marketing director for a four-campus beauty and wellness school in Southern California. There, she was awarded the best beauty school marketer in the nation, not too shabby. So if you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions volume up at thetees.com. And on this week's episode, we talk with Sharon Choi. Sharon trained as a hairdresser in Los Angeles, where she graduated from the acclaimed Tony and Guy Academy. She later apprenticed as color associate at the prestigious Neil George Salon in Beverly Hills. After learning how to help clients achieve their dream hair goals during her time at Ramirez Tran in Beverly Hills, Sharon opened up Nova Art Salon. From there, she transitioned full-time to private appointments only across the client base that she developed throughout LA, New York, San Francisco, and Mexico City, which we love. It's her commitment to the mastery and exploration of her craft that sets her apart in the industry, and we know that you guys are going to love hearing from her. So buckle up. But before we get there, let's talk about something that's a little bit nerdy, um, but that we are both very into. Kelly, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about what's happening with haircut prices as documented by the Wall Street Journal. 
I sure will. So as the WSJ pointed out, we are headed into an interesting potential economic time. And they had an article called Want to Understand Inflation? Check the price of your haircut. So there were rising costs at barbershops and salons. And they were noting that that sends a signal that sends signs that the inflation problem is not going away. So they interviewed a variety of stylists from across the country, most notable one in Illinois, where it was a stylist. She's been cutting hair since 1970 when she just charged a dollar for a haircut, which is like, what? Okay. Um, But anyway, she's raising her prices. And the whole thought was like, wow, we're feeling it. We're feeling it everywhere. Salons and barbershops, we're feeling it there too. So an interesting read, head over to the Wall Street Journal um, and, and check out that article. Yeah, check it out. And then we want to hear from you guys. Again, we're yeah. asking lots of questions today. Are you raising your prices related to inflation? I imagine so, um, but we want to hear about it. Sort of why, what makes you do it, when, all of these things. Um, we know that it's complicated in terms of establishing it. Markets are different. Your clientele might not be willing to pay X dollars. So we want to hear from you. Um, if you don't mind, get in touch. As we keep saying, DM us, email us. We're all ears uh, because we know that there are big economic shifts that are <laughs> headed our way. And this is, you know, maybe not what we all wanted to hear after the pandemic. No, uh, really so not. let's, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into it together. So share if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to hear from you. Um, all right, let's talk about something else that is popping. And that is the tease.com. So many things. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week, just like every single week. Looking into trends, diving into brands you don't know, but you probably should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, Pantene is teaming up with Getty Images and Dress Code Project to encourage real LGBTQ plus representation in advertising, which during Pride Month, we love to see. While the mainstream beauty industry has taken great strides towards queer representation over the last few years, LGBTQ plus inclusivity in beauty advertising still remains a weak spot. When it comes to most ad campaigns and beauty promotions, the LGBTQ plus community is still largely underrepresented. Thankfully, hair brands like Pantene are working to help change this. And as part of their ongoing hashtag beautiful LGBTQ series, the hair care brand has joined forces with Getty Images and Dress Code Project to launch hashtag style with pride, lots of hashtags, a new campaign designed to encourage real LGBTQ representation through hair and marketing and advertising. Working with Getty Images, custom content, photographers from all over the world, Pantene will be creating a gallery of real representation across all spectrums that will be accessible to everyone. The question is, why did it take this long? I have absolutely no idea. Like, I I want to, I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Yes. But yep, like, yep. this wasn't happening before? Like, what? where were we? What? I don't know. I know. My I know, especially given, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the industry is what it is. And so the idea that folks were not being represented in this way is really, you know, disappointing. So good on Pantene. Yes. Good on Getty for making a change. Project Let's Dress Code. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. Head to the tease.com, read the full article, check out some of the pictures that are popping up. They're beautiful as expected, which we love to see. And let's continue to do better. Everybody. Let's do it. Why don't we? Something else that you should be into because of, you know, it's pride, it's summer, it's all of the things. Sambia Ambassador Blake Reed Evans shares five travel hacks for salon educators. When it comes to being a salon educator, travel is pretty much a requisite for the job. And Sambia Ambassador and owner of Sheer Art Salon, Blake Reed Evans, knows this all too well as he spends most of his weekends catching flights to different cities 
all over so that he can share his salon knowledge with other pros. As someone who travels constantly at least three times a month, Evans knows a thing or two when it comes to travel hacks and head to the T's to find out five that he lists out. These are true tips that are going to make upcoming travels as smooth as a silk press. But Kelly, you're not a salon pro. I'm not a salon pro. We do travel a little bit. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest travel hack? Ooh, yikes. That's a dicey one. Okay, so it's true. It's been known that I am a bit of a sort of travel snob, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, Nothing wrong. I, I love my TSA pre-check. I love my direct flights when I can get them. You know, so those are, I don't know if they're hacks or just like must-haves, right? At this point. <laughs> You know, I I recently was traveling with a colleague and the airline lost her bag. And so she had everything in the bag, like everything oh, was no. in the bag and she no. didn't want to check it, but she got pushed into the old gate check, right? There's mm-hmm, no room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess one of my hacks could be that I like to sit in a zone on Delta, preferably that I'm mm-hmm. going to get in that dang plane Sooner rather than later, boarding group mm-hmm. one, two, or three, because my bag is not getting gate checked. You're not going to pry it out of my hands. No, but uh, if it were body. pried out of said hands, mm-hmm. I always pack my makeup and my jewelry in my purse, like my big bag. So it's mm-hmm. going nowhere. Worst case scenario, nowhere. I still have a full face of makeup and all my bracelets on, you know? <laughs> I mean, and what what could be a bigger hack than that? Honestly, um, pack all of that stuff on your person, basically. Yeah. What about you? Um, You've got to have something. Um, I mean, I am also a multiple bag person. I also prefer Delta because uh, there's stability there, um, and I don't like basically any other airlines. Um, although mm-hmm. Delta's canceling left, right, and center, so that's not good for them. Yeah, I prefer all of what you said in terms of boarding groups. I mean, once it's after three, <laughs> it gets dicey. Um, Southwest, great for getting around places without spending a ton, but it gives me tremendous anxiety. So I always have mm-hmm. to pay for the extra. So that I'm in that A group. <laughs> um, things that I'm packing on my person to make sure that I don't lose them in a fanny pack, of course. Of course. Wallet, hand sanitizer. I've got a passport on top of my ID that I'm just because I don't wow. ever want to be in a position of not having being identified. A backup ID. Okay. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's just a thing. <laughs> Um, and then I bring my kids' passports. So it's either on oh. me or it's on my wife. Um, just in case. Who knows? Yeah. I don't want to ever be like accused of trafficking a kid. Like it's right. a crazy thing. And why? But here we are, where it's like my kids have two different last names. Like if we uh, I, I don't want it to be like a mm-hmm. you know, anyway, that's that's where I'm at. You know, I think about that too, and even like how you don't need identification for children is the weirdest thing for me. I mean it, why? Where can you go and take a young being? It, it doesn't make any sense. Like <laughs> it doesn't, which is why I'm prepared for the worst case scenario. Right. So it's like we've got those passports on us. They are on my little fanny pack, which is draped over my body. Again, <laughs> not prying that thing off of me. Like it's it's have there. you ever been at the airport all. and well, you've got littler kids, but they'll be like, which one of you is Hudson? And they'll my kids will look at each other and I'm like, like say it. You know. Like <laughs> You're not not Hudson. You like, know. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, again, anyway. my kids, because of the double last name, that's the big, like, All right. Fair. who's one, all of that. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> <sighs> well, if you guys have travel 
hacks that are maybe not what we've just talked about, um, you know, let us know about those too. But yeah. go over and read thetease.com. See what Blake Reed Evans had to say. I feel like you're probably going to want to take some notes. Uh, all right. Next up on the tease. This is a big one because Barbie's really everywhere. The article is Get All Dolled Up with the new Chi and Barbie Dreamhouse collaboration, which, I mean, all of those words together, like, is your head not exploding? I was so excited about this. Forget Hot Girl Summer. It's about to be a Barbie Girl Summer, if Chi has anything to do with it. The professional hair care brand is back at it again with a new Barbie collection that's sure to hit you with all of the nostalgic feels. In celebration of the 60th anniversary of the Barbie Dreamhouse, Chi has teamed up with Mattel, to create a limited edition three-piece collection inspired by the iconic doll and her playhouse. The Chi and Barbie Dreamhouse collection, which marks the third partnership between the two brands, big, big deal, certainly does Barbie proud. It's all pink glam and every bit as stylish as the trend-setting doll herself. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Kelly, what are you buying? You didn't just say that. I did, I did, I did. I couldn't <laughs> help. I mean, like, come on, let's... I'm told I'm let's, just this a is Barbie a girl living in a yeah, Barbie world. Living in a Barbie like, world. Should we keep going or what? We should. <laughs> I've heard, and we will get to the Chi collaboration, that the upcoming Barbie film, mm. but with director Greta Gerwig, will not feature the Aqua song. It is like a oh. pre-rec with Mattel. They will not allow that, which I feel like is a tremendous oh. missed opportunity. Yeah, um, same. All right. But back to the Chi Barbie <laughs> Dreamhouse collaboration. Of the three products, is there anything yeah. you're especially excited about? Do you feel like people should know? Well, I've always wanted to try a triple barrel waiver because I mm-hmm. think that would make my my waving skills like easier or that mm-hmm. it would look like I know exactly what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of here for that. I love mm-hmm. that she is always pushing the envelope. They're out there. Like they're on the edge of consumer like trends. I love the team over there. I think they're awesome. And so I fully, fully support this Barbie Girl Summer by G. <laughs> we we love a we love a Barbie Girl Summer here um, here on the Volume Up Podcast. Amazing. Well, there's so much that's happening on the tease.com. These stories and many many more. Head over there, please. Why don't you? And thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. So today on the pod, we have Sharon Choi. She grew up in Southern California and trained as a hairdresser in Los Angeles, where she graduated from the acclaimed Tony and Guy Academy. She later apprenticed as a color associate at the prestigious Neil George Salon in Beverly Hills. It was there that she refined coloring techniques that have allowed her to highlight healthy, fine hair with minimal damage and certainly check out her Insta because... The proof is in the pudding (laughs) Um, and to transform those dark and coarse to blonde and beautiful. In addition to natural hair coloring, she's also highly skilled in integrating creative color palettes into her highlighting techniques. She also has expertise in hair extensions, specifically with sew-in wefts and tape-ins. After learning how to help her clients achieve their dream hair goals during her time at Ramirez Tran in Beverly Hills, she opened up Nova Arts Salon. From there, transitioned full-time to private appointments only across the client base that she's developed throughout LA, New York, San Francisco, and Mexico City. It is her commitment to the mastery and exploration of her craft that sets her apart in the industry. We are here today with Sharon. Welcome to Volume Up by the Tees. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. So I gave your long, fruitful bio. Like, tell us about how you got started in the industry. Was it was it 
from a young age? Like, where did the passion come from? Like, take us all the way back. Yeah, I would love to. I actually started after I'd already had a different career. Okay. So I went to a beauty school when I was in my mid twenties and it was definitely a mix like beauty schools filled with people that are just straight out of high school. And there was people that were older than me and there was a few people my age, but you know, the thing that I always share with everybody is I actually grew up kind of being like a tomboy. I never did anybody's hair. It was never something that I was like, you know, people weren't looking at me thinking, Oh, she's definitely going to be a hairstylist. You know, I love sharing that because I feel like it's encouraging for people to know that, you know, it's like I, what I always tell my assistants or my associates that train with me is if you do anything for 70 hours a week, because you want it so badly, you will get good at it. Great point. And I love that too, because, you know, a lot of people we do talk to were like, I was doing kitchen hair, right? I was doing prom hair and makeup and in college. And it was like always my calling. So what was that sort of switch for you that you were like, I want to get into this? So um, actually I had a corporate job before in business. I actually graduated from UC Santa Cruz in psychology and I was going to go to law school. And after doing some internships and kind of making my decision after taking the LSAT, I realized maybe that taking that career path and becoming a lawyer wasn't going to be a good fit for me and what I wanted with my life. Um, but in that time frame, my family had some like financial needs that needed to be met. So I actually just got a job where I could actually make the most money possible with a bachelor's degree. That was kind of what mattered at that time to help my family. So I did that for three and a half years in San Francisco. I worked in tech. And while I was doing that, I'm open about it because at a very young age, I was making an insane amount of money, which is what the goal was at the time. And what was great about that experience was I was so miserable Hmm. that I learned money does not buy happiness. And that's the most important lesson I think anybody could ever learn, you know? Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And so to beauty school, Detonian guy, you went, which is certainly an acclaimed academy. Um, Tell me what your time was like there. Yeah. So um, I had a bunch of friends that were hairstylists and I was like, I want to do that. And when I was in high school, I went to a beauty school and it really left an impression on me. And before I even went to college, I was like, I want to go become a hairstylist. My parents were like, you should go to college. So mm-hmm. I finally was able to go to beauty school. I was so excited because I had already had all these other experiences. And Tony and Guy was a great opportunity for me to really like start over and kind of like reclaim my new career path. I love that. Um, and I love that you've experienced both sides, like hardcore corporate America, and then made the switch over. Um, so do you have any advice for those out there that are like, I'm in corporate America right now, and I don't want to be here and they have possibly explored something like beauty school. What's your advice to them? I mean, you only live once, you know, and although starting over isn't necessarily like, it doesn't sound tangible for everybody. I, I feel like anything is possible if you set your mind to it. So even with beauty school, I know they offer like part-time and lots of different avenues. And what's great about this career is you really get the opportunity to pave your own way. And there's so many different avenues within the beauty industry you can join in too. So try it, you know? Yeah. You know, there is that stigma, like you had mentioned, your parents were like, nope, you're going to go to college. (laughs) Uh, Like, how do we break that stigma, you know, um, for our industry? Yeah. I mean, it's it's tricky because college was so fun. So I'm really glad that I did go. But um, I feel like now more than ever, parents are more 
a little more open to seeing that kids or people are able to just kind of forge their own paths. Mm-hmm. And for me, even though it was challenging, I had to just do it and believe in myself and show them that I could be successful and not care that they weren't approving of it. Mm-hmm. For me, I think because I was so unhappy doing what I had already done for them, what they wanted me to do at that point, they kind of had surrendered to the idea that she's going to do what she wants to do and be successful at it. Right. (laughs) Um, Did you along the way have any mentors um, like in the beginning of your journey that were like, yeah, go for it, do it. Like, here's the path that you can take. Yeah, actually I am the youngest of 36 cousins. (laughs) And um, what's great about that is they all did what their parents told them to do. And by the time I was becoming into my own, they really pushed me to to live a life that I wanted. And I really look up to them and I tell them all the time how grateful I am that they pushed me to do those things because they were really the ones that kind of helped me make that decision. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So then to retransition out of beauty school and tell us about your time at Neil George Salon to start. Yeah. I actually assisted a lot of different people and I got to work at many different salons throughout my career, which was amazing. But that was the place I worked the longest. And um, I don't even know how to describe it. It was so intimidating at first walking into Beverly Hills. You know, you're like, hey, uh, (laughs) I want to work here, you know, and um, the beauty industry isn't like very different from corporate America. You know, no one's really looking at your resume. You know, they just want to see how you work, um, if you're going to show up. I'm, you know, it's very different. So it was kind of a big culture shock for me. And um, everyone there was very kind and I really enjoyed working there. Amazing. That's great. So intimidating walking into Beverly Hills and to a salon. Um, tell us about like your first day there. Like, tell us about that journey. What were some of the things that you learned on the job versus in school? Oh, uh, I mean, school really only prepares you to pass the test. Um, getting your license, that's kind of the focus of school. But if you go to a place like Tony and Guy, you do learn a bit more like to cut and having little clients and all that kind of stuff, I think more than you would at like a community college. I feel like whatever version of this career that you want, the people that you work for are the people where you're going to learn those skills from and those are valuable tools. You know, the consultation and having those conversations with clients that are expecting a certain level of service, I feel like And I tell this to my team all the time. My job isn't to color hair, it's to manage expectations. Because if they thought it was going to be blonde and we talked about brown, you know, then they're not happy. That's such a good point. You know, that consultation is so make or break, as you mentioned. And how do you, or do you have any tips or tricks to make sure that you are on the same page as the client and those expectations out the gate are clear? Definitely. I always require photos before booking. Okay. A lot of times I get clients telling me, I just trust you. You just do your thing, whatever you think is going to be great for me, you know, and that is really flattering and kind, but that's not a safe place to start from. And um, I really, really want to make sure that the client and I understand that when people describe colors, you know, the reality is when one person says brown, they have something in their mind that is totally different from what I might have in my mind. So really just taking the time to make sure everyone's on the same page before anything actually even starts. 
Got it. That's a great tip. So you were at both Neil George Salon and Ramirez Tran. Then tell me, you know, why you decided to move on from those two salon experiences and what was your next step in your career? Yeah. So um, after assisting, um, I, I, I mentioned I worked at many different salons, which is great because I think finding the right home and the vibe of how you want to spend your time is really important. And um, I went to Ramirez Tran to actually go on the floor and I did that for several years and had a really amazing experience and was, I'm really grateful for everything that happened there. But um, at some point, my former partner, Sal, and I wanted to open our own salon and wanted to do things a little differently. Um, I think we were just excited to kind of take the next step and open our own space. So we went and opened our own salon in the arts district. Amazing. And what were some of the biggest challenges from, you know, um, working in the salon to owning the salon? You know, it's funny, everything that you hear from your bosses and your owners, all of it's true. That's the thing I tell people now all the time, you know, (laughs) Um, and running a salon business in California is very challenging. I do think that it's amazing that we have so many great laws and place that protect employees. And there's so many amazing things about being in California, but when you run a business, it does really make the margin really small. So I think a stylist always feels like, oh, the owner is making so much money off of me, but really it costs so much money to run a salon. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think managing kind of the employee's happiness and also being able to like build something that you're excited about and believe in with transparency is something that we really, really focused on. And um, that balance is, you know, I think the most important thing, but it's not easy. You know? Yeah, it's not, you know, and it's the old adage of like, you start a business because you're like, I love what I'm doing. I could do this myself. Right. But then you spend so much of your time working on the business instead of in the business. And you're almost like, wait a second, I want to get my hands back in here. So I totally understand from that perspective. What, what is, if, if, you know, there's anyone out there listening saying, I, I'm curious about that transition. Like what were some of your first steps um, in, in saying, okay, we're going to do this on our own. What were a couple of things that you learned along the way? Um, I've learned that no matter what happens and how it goes, you, you know, even I actually had this conversation with somebody yesterday that was interested in opening a salon. And I told them, I said, you know, there's tons of things I wouldn't do this time if I did it again, that I did last time. And the only way to find out is to just do it. You know, it's almost like coloring hair for the first time, you know, you're not going to do the exact same thing. Um, And I think you just have to be okay with learning the mistakes on the way. And I think with any endeavor, if you have the right intentions, the the only thing that can happen is good. You know, it's not going to be easy, but it's not worth not trying. If if it's something you want to do, like scratch the itch, you know? Yeah, totally. So working in a salon, owning a salon, and then the most recent or where you're at now, you transitioned to private appointments. Tell me about that journey and why you decided to go down that road. Yeah. So, um, you know, it wasn't the the way that everything unfolded in the pandemic and it wasn't necessarily my what I expected or planned, but I think that's for everybody. Um, What I do find gratitude in that experience from is just that it's, you know, it made things happen faster that maybe were supposed to happen anyway. And it gave me a really a chance to decide how I wanted to spend my time. And just like you said earlier, I think for me, I realized like the business was taking away from my chance to really like enjoy 
what I do, which is being with my clients and doing hair and being part of that transformation process. Um, and, um, although I loved the experience of opening the salon, I'm grateful that I had the experience, but was able to move on from that. So yeah, in the end, you know, I I had a a business partner for over 10 years and, um, it was just time for us to go separate ways. And for me, my choice was to not continue owning a salon at this time. It was to focus back into like my own career and my craft and really just focus on that versus actually running a physical space. Yeah. So now are you going to your clients? How does that setup work? Yeah. So, um, well, actually I had a studio that I was working in and then I recently have been now back working at Royal Salon, which is in Beverly Hills again. So I'm still doing a little bit of both. Like I have a studio that I work in, but I also mainly just take my clients back at the salon in Beverly Hills. Okay. Got it. Amazing. And how has that transition been for you for your life, for your career, your clients? I personally am very happy. I really am enjoying not having the stress of the business, especially right now. I feel like it's a really uh, tumultuous time for the economy. And I feel like it's, you know, there's a lot weighing on all business owners. And I really do feel for them because I, at this point in my career, I'm able to walk in and not have to worry about the toilet paper or that the front desk girls are fighting Mm -hmm. or, you know, like whatever happens when you have a salon, (laughs) like all those things. Um, For right now, I'm able to really just enjoy the day-to-day of, you know, being a stylist at a salon. You know, I, I really appreciate that feeling. And I didn't realize... Um, until I was kind of forced to how much that's what I actually wanted to go back to. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So now you've got clients in multiple cities. How does that work? Are you flying around based on their appointments? Do you locate in a certain area for a certain amount of time? How do you manage to to pull that off, if you will? Yeah. So I've been going to New York and San Francisco. I used to go every other month and then now it's been quarterly for the last two years. And I started traveling again just last, um, took 2020 off obviously because we all had to. And then 2021, I started going quarterly to each city and um, I've just been building that business for quite some time. I use social media to make my announcements and communicate with clients over email and text. Awesome. How has that been to, you know, utilize social or word of mouth? Is that primarily how you're growing the business in those particular cities? Definitely. And, you know, I talk to stylists now that, you know, even at my current workplace, I'm always encouraging them because it's it's been such an amazing tool for me to be able to build my business. And I know the algorithms changed or this and that, and everyone has different feelings about it. But at the end of the day, it's kind of just like your digital portfolio, you know, and yeah. people are able to just come in and trust you because you have your work up, whether or not you care about posting it or not. At the end of the day, it just gives people a peace of mind to know that they're in the right hands. Do you find that this type of setup where it's multiple cities, like you kind of go to them, is that a unique business model or are you seeing stylists do that more increasingly? I think it's becoming really popular. I mean, I don't know um, what the percentages of people are actually doing it because it is, it is very laborious, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. you know, just the schlepping of the color and this and that. It's not, it's not for the lighthearted, that's for sure. And I actually have been taking my toddler with me. So it's been, wow. yeah, it's been <laughs> adventurous, but um, for me personally, I, I really enjoy being in different cities and having different interactions and conversations. And, you know, um, when I go to New York, I work in Soho always. And then when I work in San Francisco, I'm um, always in the Marina 
and um, the people I get to interact with at those salons too. They've, you know, I've known them now for quite some time. So it's wonderful to have all of those different mixes of like just vibes of different city, you know? Yeah. Very cool. It's, it's amazing that you've integrated your toddler into your life as well, you know, get to have all those fun experiences and um, take the fam with. Yeah, totally. That's fun. That's great. So if we move on to talking a little bit about hair textures, um, what do you think is the most important thing about knowing how to work with all different types of hair textures? Uh, you know, it's it's something that we're, we live in such a multicultural place that we are lucky enough to have that experience. I feel like, you know, I realized when I was in Korea, I was like, wow, these people only interact with one type of hair you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, for us in America and uh, in, in other countries as well, there, where there's more diversity, whoever sits in my chair, not anybody can have the same hair. It's like, it's just curly, fine, coarse, everything. So I feel like it makes us really have to step up our game with our craft and be able to be versatile. And um, I love the challenge, you know, and some people really do maybe only do like one thing, like, you know, there's someone that specializes in blondes or brunettes and but for me, I've always cared about wanting to make sure that everybody knew I could do everything because I didn't want to mm-hmm. be stuck doing one thing. I think that was something that, you know, I still really care about. And I try to show my diversity in my work as much as possible. Amazing. So, you know, how long did it take you or what were some of the experiences that led you to be able to work with different textures of hair? So, you know, we mentioned like the thinner hair or more coarse hair, certainly when coloring how did that learning process look for you or how did you allow yourself to ensure that you really could work with all different hair types? Oh, you know, I always tell my team, you got to fake it till you make it, you know, like if, if someone with curly hair asks you to do their hair, don't say no, but maybe just give yourself more time if it's not something that you're not familiar with. And it's something that that's how I was able to kind of get to where I am today is just, I never said no to anything. Even if it was something I didn't know how to do, I just, you know, made sure that I tried to do as much research as I could before and just took my time with it really. And I find that people are grateful for the striving of perfection. So even if it takes longer, as long as the result is something that they're happy with, um, everybody's happy in the end. And I think communicating that very clearly, you know, like, Hey, this might take a little longer, you know, you have a different hair type, blah, blah, blah. Not necessarily saying that you can't do it because technically I I think that we all can. It's just believing in ourselves to make sure that we get the right results. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about beauty school, and I'm not sure how much of this was taught at Tony and Guy, but do you think that we as an industry are doing enough to teach stylists on how to work with different types and textures of hair during school? I don't know if I could say that school is the place that that experience is coming from. And I think yeah. it's more about when you're an assistant and you're, depending on who you work for, you know, the first person I actually trained with um, pretty much only did blondes. And I remember I was there and I was yeah. thinking to myself like, okay, I'm going to have to learn more than this at some point, you know, <laughs> not knowing how long my journey was right. going to be with them. But at the end of the day, I was able to learn a lot more from many different people. So it didn't matter that that's what I was doing at that time. I was actually subconsciously learning how to run a very smooth business. You know, like there were so many other variables of how I was actually taking in the environment that there's so many different factors to being in this industry. I find like, I just spoke to a girl that only assisted for one year and she wants to go on the floor. And 
I'm, I'm not against it. I, I only assisted for like a year and a half too, actually, but it's more, I think I realize now, like you do get a lot of learning from those times. So to really take advantage of it, because it's like the sooner you cut yourself off from that, you know, it's, you're really just not able to learn as much from different types of people. So if you work for one person for one year, you're only learning one thing, you know, and there's so many different ways to do this business. Um, And it just really depends on what you want. I love it. That's great. Um, Anything else to talk about in, in regards to hair textures before we move on? Hair textures. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fun. Don't be afraid of it. Try it. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's the reality of it. If somebody has hair that you're not comfortable with, um, you can even DM me. I, I'm happy to help you. You know, if you're not sure what volume to use, start lower, you know, 10 lifts just as well as 40. It don't have to, hmm. you know, it just takes longer. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I think for everybody that's interested in trying different things, just to encourage them to go for it. That's amazing. I love it. And I love your offer to help. I, that's one of the Top things that I love about the industry, right? Everybody is just literally so willing to share. It's, it's just so amazing. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Um, You know, being on the forefront of, you know, being in multiple cities and having clients there, what are you seeing from a trend perspective as we move in, move through the summer and into the fall? Well, the trend that's happening right now that I, you know, is so throwback 2000s is everyone wants to go black for the summer, mm-hmm. hmm. um, which wow. All right. I know I'm like, are you sure girl? They're like, for sure. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, let's talk about what happens after, but um, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> long road back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually been the one that, although it was a trend in the early two thousands, I only started doing hair and, you know, 10, 12 years ago. So this is a new one for me. And, okay. um, uh, that I think, you know, everyone does say, well, you know, and I'm going to go darker in the fall anyway. So let's just do it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So now moving into a little section we call the tease quick takes, and we want your hot take on a couple of topics. Some relate to our industry and some do not. Okay. So the first one is what is a quote that you love? Okay. My favorite quote is by a poet named Rumi, which is my daughter's name. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh as much as you breathe. Love as long as you live. Oh, that's a good one. I know. It's just makes you stop and think. (laughs) I know. (laughs) To laugh as much as you breathe, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of laughter, but I like it. Yeah. Me too. It's like, it's emotional. You're like, yeah, totally. Oh, it's like a great (laughs) reminder. It'll stop you in your tracks, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, What was your last Google search? Oh my gosh. I know it's honest. I've actually been moving. So I wish I could say I was Googling something more fun, but water purifiers, you know, like trying to figure out how to get clean water. And I don't know if you know what PFAs are, but I've just been trying to figure out a way to get those. It's like a a micro particle that's in water that I'm trying to figure out how to get it filtered out of my house. So, (laughs) wow. And have you come to any conclusions on a device or filter? Um, Yeah, there's great home filters, but there isn't one that actually is certified to, uh, to filter that out. So you have to buy a separate one that you could put in your fridge. That would be for just drinking. Huh. Very interesting. All right. Yeah. What is, we, we talked about a 
a maybe a cringy trend that's back, but what is the cringiest, cringiest trend you've ever tried? Yeah. So when I went to um, that beauty school, when I was a senior in high school, I went to get my hair done. That's where I decided I was like, this is what I want to do. Hairstyling. Um, this girl, I thought she was so cool, um, but she was kind of like an emo vibe, but I thought she was cool. And everyone there was so cool. And I'd never been anywhere like that before. I let her just like have at it and do what she wanted with my hair. And this was like right before my senior photos. So my senior photo, my hair is dyed pitch black with two yellow panels, like four inches wide in the middle of my head across the whole top. Um, um, amazing. <laughs> but it's like, so not, it was like, so not me slash like, so like, you know, it was just like, wow, what a look, you know? <laughs> were you into the look? Were you like, yeah, she crushed it. Yeah. I was feeling myself. <laughs> and so because of that though, I always tell people like before any like major photo that you might have that you're going to look at for the rest of your life, like your wedding, you know, I really encourage people to go back to their natural for their wedding because highlights yeah. date you, you know, that's very like, this, totally. oh, these are like 2022 highlights right now, you know? Oof, you're right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> also a good point. Yeah. <laughs> you're frozen in time. Yes. Um, Yikes. <laughs> yeah. That, those highlights. I look back at my wedding pictures and I do look at my hair and it was like too poofy on top. I'm just right. like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. That extra volume. Yeah. Yeah. All the volume. Yeah. And I like volume, but that could have been toned down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were feeling it probably though that day. That's all that matters. It totally was. Yeah. yeah. I was all feeling all the feels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. What animal are you most like? Um, I'd say a lion and my, my moon is a Leo. So I'd say that that's the animal that I ident- identify with. I love it. <laughs> yeah. What is one product that you cannot live without? Honestly, it's, um, finish cream by Sasha Wan. I just like, I can't Ooh. not have that. It's like, it just really works with my hair, many people's hair, but my hair really likes it. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. All right. It's a fave. Yeah. And then the last one, what is some advice for those who want to make it to the top of our industry? That after living in Los Angeles and being in this industry, as long as I have anybody that wants to be there can be there. Just know that it's going to take hard work, but that you can do it. And it just takes time and to not give up on any, you know, not give up for any, any reason. This industry takes perseverance and persistence, but all of it's possible. You know, it's just about, I love that doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're such in a world of instant gratification, right? Like you're not going to just pop out of beauty school and be like at the top of your top, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> We've got to be patient. You got to yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, thank you so much. Where can we follow you and where can we keep tabs on all of the amazing things that you're doing? I'm on Instagram and TikTok and it's the same. It's at Ms. Choi at M-I-Z-Z-C-H-O-I. We will be sure to keep an eye on you. And thank you so much for your time today. It was so fun to get to know you. Thank you for having Um, me. And you bet. And wishing you well. Thank you so much. All right. So Sharon, awesome. Love to hear about her experience over at Tony and Guy Academy. She went, as she said, from working as a stylist, owning a salon, and now is traveling around the country, meeting her clients where they are. So I love to see that journey and that 
you know, she also spent a little bit of time in corporate America and was like, no, I'm out. I'm going to go create (laughs) and beautify. So thank you very much to Sharon for joining us on the pod today. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volumeup at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.